How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Defender podcast coming to you from the Lone Star State, Dallas, Texas. I am your host, Paul Aguilar. And today we're welcoming in a very special guest. Uh, if you guys are into anything paranormal or anything creepy crawly, there was bump in the night. Um, this is the show for you. Um, he is the creator of the Dark Waters YouTube channel. Uh, not too bad, man. We're just here trying to settle in and uh, hopefully get a little spooked out with these uh, stories you got for us here today. Uh, I, got, I could bring the fire. You got to tell me how spooky you want to get, you know, <laughs> like there's levels of there's levels of creepiness. So some shows I go on, they're like, OK, give me the worst of the worst. And the next thing you know, people are seeing shadows in their house, the studio. And the lights are flashing off and on in the studio. And they're like, what the hell is going on? So you got to let me know how far down the rabbit hole we want to go. We're going to stay on the surface level. No, you know, no. Go to the deep rabbit, then that's okay. Either way it goes. We go yeah. to the deep, but we can stay like on Google. It's up to you. <laughs> now we're trying to, we're trying to dive deep here. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I mentioned to you before. So um, when I mentioned to you off air, I was probably one of the first 50 to 100 subscribers to your YouTube channel when you first started that. Um, I have all over your website as well. Um, first off, before we get started, can you please let everybody know where they can find you other than your YouTube channel? Uh, you can go to my website. It's IamDarkWaters.com. Um, IamDarkWaters.com. And that's where you'll find the full body of my work. YouTube is a place now where I kind of, it's more of a place where I put samples and promos than anything because people know how YouTube is. The, YouTube is crazy, man, when it comes to monetization and copyrights and all kind of stuff. So I am waters.com is where you can find a bulk of my content and it's. Yeah. So I remember you mentioning before um, people come to you with, with a bunch of stories, but you actually never actually go out there and try to investigate things on your own. Does that, do you still kind of hold to that? Um, you know, you don't want to get mixed up in any that kind of stuff. Well, what ended up happening was I was going out and investigating them. And then I had that encounter with Dogman in uh, outside of Taylor, Mississippi, and that was the end of me going out and investigating. I've been to houses where they had demons in them in New Orleans. Um, I've been to all kinds of places, and everything was cool until I went and did that. And I was like, nah, that's the end of this foolishness. Guess what? We're going to go through the conversations on the phone and vet the people via phone, or if it's someone locally, I'll meet them in person. But I'm telling you or not. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you muted yourself there for a bit. <laughs> What's the last thing you heard me say? Um, that you were actually going out, investigating, um, like, houses and stuff like that. So I was going out, investigating houses, investigating um, all kind of stuff. Right. Um, but I had a dog man encounter in Taylor, Mississippi, or outside of Taylor, Mississippi. Because when the dog man first came out, I didn't really believe in it. And there were people who were telling me they knew where I could find it. And so I said, okay, I'll just go up there and see. So I went up with a guy to see and ended up getting left on the side of the road and actually having an encounter of my own. And that put an end to the whole, um, the whole investigation thing for me. It really did because I, I, I can't put myself in that kind of situation. You know what I'm saying? And it just, so I had to stop doing it. And so then I just mastered my technique of um, looping and injecting and exposing the truth via the phone and, sometimes in individual face-to-face -face conversations with people, but I've mastered how to get to the truth of what a person's saying. Right. And it's a delicate process that involves, you know, multiple times talking to them, um, looping them during their conversation, sliding lies into their story to see if they'll agree with the lie, um, taking things out of their story 
and repeating it to them and seeing if they agree to it. Um, but I've developed a system to where I can tell if they're telling the truth or not. 100% pretty much can tell. I've only had one person that was able, so let's say 99.9%, that was able to sneak something by me. Um, and he was able to sneak it by me after he heard the technique of what I was doing. Yeah. And then he was able to sneak something by me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. You get a lot of people out there that they think they see something or they just kind of want to be part of, you know, like like the whole movement of paranormal or, you know, whatever, and they just want to have a story as well. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I wouldn't say it's hard to find people with legitimate stories because, I mean, things happen every day, um, especially out there. I mean, like I mentioned, if you live out there somewhere like in the sticks or something like that, I'm pretty sure things go on all the time. Um, maybe not so much when you're like in the city, but you know, I've heard a lot of crazy stories even here in the city. Um, like I, you know, like I mentioned, we're here in Dallas, so I live close to downtown Dallas. Um, and I hear stories all the time about things that happen downtown. Um, so it just kind of, I guess it varies, um, on the person, but, um, yeah, I mean, so well, I guess, it really depends on two things. So the reality of it is, you know, if, I, if there's a person in Dallas on Lover's Lane, um, they're not about to have a dog man encounter, right, or a Bigfoot encounter. Right. But that doesn't mean they don't run into a black eyed kid or some creepy, weird, freakazoid type thing. It's just, it's not going to be, you know, most likely it's not going to be a cryptid encounter, right? It will be something different. Right. Um, but I believe that everyone has had their own personal paranormal encounter, whether it be deja vu or whether it be a dream that they had that came true. Everybody has a story to tell. It's just a matter of people becoming comfortable enough to share those stories. And then some people don't even realize some of the things that are happening to them are paranormal. So, for example, there was this lady who all I would talk to her, she's an older lady. She could always, she could never find her medicine. Like her medicine would move around the house, right? And she thought she was forgetting where she put it down. And finally, I said, well, you know, maybe you got like a spirit in your house that's playing tricks on you. Put it in a drawer. I know you put it in a drawer. You put it in a drawer. Let's give it a couple of days. I'll call you back and figure out what happened with the medicine. So she puts it in a drawer uh, and she leaves it there. Doesn't take the medicine, which I don't know why the hell she didn't do that. And two days later, she says, well, I found it in the kitchen cabinet. And I was like, well, you didn't take it. You didn't mess with it. She's like, no, I put it in a drawer. I put a piece of tape over the drawer and it was in a kitchen cabinet and the tape was still there. And I was like, wow. So she realized that she had some kind of spirit in the house. So people have those kind of things, but most of the time, the smaller incidences, people don't really pay attention to. Right. You know, you don't pay attention if the visine bottle was on the left-hand side of the dresser and ended up on the right-hand side of the dresser. You know, you just know you were looking for visine to put in your eye. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people have encounters. They just don't know what's going on. And then, you know, there's the harsh, crazy encounters where you just, you can't deny something's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's... I, I can't say that I've had episodes like that where things end up missing, you know, like leaving something somewhere and then it's just gone magically the next day. Um, so that's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. So, so I guess we can, we can go ahead and jump in here. Um, like I had mentioned to you before we, I really love that Mardi Gras story that you have. Um, and if you can go ahead and let everybody else know about it, I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there that have already heard it, but for our audience who hasn't heard it, can you go ahead and please give us, you know, like the rundown on that story? Yeah, I'd be happy to share the story with you. So, um, in order to understand the story, you got to understand what Mardi Gras is. 
and how it's set up in the city. So Mardi Gras is like the biggest parade in the world. I mean, it's the biggest party in the world, not parade. It's literally the biggest party in the world. I think the, the second biggest thing is Carnival in Brazil. That's pretty big. But Mardi Gras is probably the biggest party in the entire world. And what ends up happening during Mardi Gras is large segments of the population all gather on certain streets, right? In this case, this happened on St. Charles Street, St. Charles and Marengo Street. And so you have 30,000 people on one street and you go two blocks over and it's literally nobody there. No police, no person, just cars and darkness, right? Right. And so during this particular incident, a young lady ended up going back to her car um, during Mardi Gras, which is two blocks down Marengo Street. And you know how you go to your car and you're kind of fumbling around in the car? She gets in, goes to the driver's side, fumbling around in the car and looks over out of the passenger side window and sees the silhouette of someone standing there. So imagine you like, to paint the picture clearly, it's dark, there are cars parked everywhere around, um, there's light coming from the street lights, but it's not enough light to where you really feel comfortable, but you're in the car digging around, you look to your right, and the car door is still open, you look to your right, and you see what looks like someone standing at your car window. The only problem was that right there at that car window where they had parked the car was this huge, gigantic tree. And in New Orleans, the trees grow on like on the opposite side of your sidewalk. So if you're walking down the, from the front of your house and um, and you're coming out of your front door, you have your, you hit the sidewalk, and then on the other side of the sidewalk across from your lawn are these gigantic trees, and they grow up and they buckle the concrete. And in that case, there was this gigantic buckle on the concrete right there on the sidewalk, and there was this gigantic tree. So she's living over, but she sees someone in that space but at that same point in time, they couldn't even get to that particular space because of, there was the only parking space left and you couldn't open the passenger side door to get out over there. So everybody that went to that parade climbed out of the car on the driver's side, right? Am I making sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that side of the car is pretty much barricaded now. So she's sitting there looking at this lower part of her body, like who the hell is over there? Because I couldn't nobody open the door of the car door to get out on that side. Now, when she pulls her body out of the car and looks up over the hood of the car or the, the top of the car, she sees a man standing there, but he literally has no face. Like, if you can imagine taking your eyes, your eyebrows, your nose, your lips, and just smooth it all out to where it's just a smooth surface, but there's still bones and structure, like the muscle structure and bone is still there. It's just none of the features are there. Um, that's what she was looking at. And then the muscles and the bones were moving and she knew it was a person, but the person just didn't have any freaking face. So she takes off running, heads back down to the parade route where everybody is, bumps into a police officer, tells the police officer that someone was trying to rob her down there, right? right. So the officer is running down in that direction trying to see if he can find a perpetrator. He comes back a few minutes later sweating and scared as hell. It's like, well, look, I, I didn't find anybody trying to rob you, but it's something weird and freaky going on down there. Um, <laughs> the parade ends. Uh, the parade ends, and then everybody goes back to the car, and she's, like, scared out of her freaking mind. And you got to understand, when those parades end, it's a mass exodus of people, just all of them going in one direction. Mm-hmm. So she gets back down to the area, her and her husband and her friends and everybody else, and they're looking around, they don't see anything. But it was one of the scariest New Orleans Mardi Gras stories I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of Mardi Gras stuff, but that was 
one of the scariest ones I've ever heard. Yeah, that's creepy. It's it's just almost like if, um, like you mentioned, he had no no features. So kind of like if he's just wearing like a mask over his face and his eyes are still moving, you can still see all the bones moving and stuff like that. But there's just yeah, but no this feet. was this was skin. Like she, yeah, yeah. she this was skin. This wasn't this wasn't like uh, this wasn't like somebody. You know, you, it makes you think of someone wearing one of those. No, used to wear those stockings over their face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you would think it is. But no, this was skin with nothing on it. No ears, no eyebrows, no eyes, no freaking nothing, nothing. But you could see where there was the nose and all the stuff, like the bone of the nose was under the skin. Right. It was just creepy. You could see the jawbone, you could see the cheekbone, but there was no facial features. Just just freaky stuff, man. Like yeah. New Orleans is a, a a crazy, crazy place. I mean, there's a lot of freaky weird stuff that goes on down here from um, people being abducted out of the French quarters to um, people losing time in the French quarters of New Orleans uh, from people being like drugged in a casino, like all kind of crazy stuff happens down here, man. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a it's just a weird place when it comes to those kind of things. But it's New Orleans is a place where that stuff is accepted, embraced, and kind of move on with it. You know, you live with it and go about your business. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so is it, is it more, do you think um, kind of when Mardi Gras happens, the, the stories kind of flare up or is it just something consistent that happens throughout even, you know, when Mardi Gras isn't, no. isn't going on? No, no, no. New Orleans consistently has paranormal things that happen. And I can tell you, you pretty much talk to anybody around here, a local person who was born and raised here, not a person who's a transport. There's like, oh, I just moved to New Orleans. You talk to people who've been here, they'll tell you stories from things that happened when they were children, um, stories of, like, grandma dying and having a rocking chair and they're walking in the room and the rocking chair is rocking. You can smell grandma or the grandfather dying and they can smell him in the hallway Then he pushes them out of the way. All kind of crazy stuff happens down here. It's just the, it's just the energy of the city, and it's constantly something going on. Um, Mardi Gras is just a time where you have so many people here um, and then certain areas of the city get deserted. I believe Mardi Gras is a time where like a lot of paranormal things come out to Rome because the city, certain areas of the city are completely abandoned. So imagine, you know, there's Mardi Gras day, you know, there's parades going all day and they're all essentially located. There's entire neighborhoods where nobody's home because everybody's at Mardi Gras. There's entire areas of the city that are abandoned um, and just nobody's there. And I just believe that that's the time when those things come out. That's it's creepy. Uh, I couldn't imagine just, you know, being out there in the middle of the street at night and you see somebody with no face out there looking at you. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So that was, that was, you know, one of the stories that I had heard early on and that was, I just couldn't get over that fact. Um, but yeah, yeah that, was, dude, that was like, Five years ago, huh? Yeah, it was, but it was still still stuck with me this whole time. Um, like I mentioned, my brother and I, we you know we listen to your shows and stuff like that. That was one of the stories that we would kind of sit back and think about. You know, what would you do if you were to encounter something like that on the streets? It's one thing, you know, you've encountered something like that in your house or you know whatever, but like on the street, um, there's nobody else around and it's just you and them. You know, whatever it is, and then you see that just kind of right in front of you. Yeah, it's time to run. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Some, run somewhere. <laughs> run, 
Right. You know, that's, you know, that's one of the things that I, that's one of the ways I tell when people are lying. Right. Right. Um, when I talk to a person that like, Oh, I saw this thing with no face, but it had these glowing red eyes. It was 12 feet tall. I'm like, well, what did it make you do? Right. And I'm intentionally saying, well, what did it make you do? Right. Cause that's going to make you do something. Right. It's got to make you cry. It's going to make you jump. It's going to make you scream. That's going to make you do something. And it's like, Oh, nothing. It didn't scare me. I didn't run and this and that. Oh, you lying. Yeah. You lying. <laughs> You lying, you lying through your two front teeth, you lie, you lying, lying, lying. Because I know if I'm walking down the street at night and I see a six foot, seven foot tall thing with glowing red eyes, I'm running. I'm running and I'm praying at the same time, but I'm running. And there's certain things that are that are human nature. It's kind of like it's kind of like if, uh, if you're standing there and someone throws a ball at your face, right? But you see the ball coming but you're not sure, you just throw your hands up in there, right, to block your face, to protect your face. That's just like a natural instinct. And there's certain things that are natural instincts for people. And one of the natural instincts is, you know, fight or flight. If it's a person, you can can say, okay, well, you decided you're going to fight. If you didn't have a choice of nowhere to run, I can see you fighting. But some things you encounter, um, and you have a choice to run, and you tell me you don't run, either you're mentally ill or you're a liar. And it's just (laughs) one of two probably lying yeah <laughs> that's crazy yeah and then you mentioned uh things that are seven foot tall or, or, or taller um i guess we can go ahead and jump in so first off let's talk about the story where you had your first encounter with the dog man well i've only well you're only encounter with the dog man <laughs> yeah, yeah. And i'm not gonna have another i want to have one and that was the stupidest thing i've ever done and i repeatedly say that that's the stupidest thing I've ever done. I'll never do it again. But make a long story short, this is when I first started doing YouTube and I started getting into cryptos. And I just, I got to believe there was a Bigfoot, right? It made sense. Um, it, 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 it rang true to me. But when I started having people call me about dog, man, I'm like, man, this can't be true. Like, it just can't be true. And so I started trying to find people that I knew directly within my network of friends that would um, that could get me to places where there was dog man. And then the whole thing about Taylor, Mississippi came up, and I was like, okay, let me see if I can find anybody that works in the area of Taylor, Mississippi. Well, with my background as an engineer working for Energy, um, the power company, I was able to use friends of friends of friends to get to people in Oxford, Mississippi. And there were linemen, transmission linemen, and uh, distribution linemen. And so I started talking to multiple, like, construction line workers where you go through the middle of the woods and clear out woods and build power lines. And like, oh, yeah, they got all kind of freaking stuff in the woods up here in this area. Nope. And eventually I ended up talking to one guy who, um, who was working on a distribution line skip and he ended up being trapped in his bucket truck and surrounded by dogmen. And I was like, okay, yeah, you remember that story, right? And that's how it all started is when I met him. And so, I was like, I still don't believe this. I was like, he was like, well, if you don't believe me, you come up here, and I'll take you to meet people who have dogmen on their property. And if you go back and listen to that old content, I kind of allude to the fact that I met a lot of people up there mm-hmm. um, that had dogmen encounters. But we went from property to property. I'm talking like farmland property, where people's chickens and cows were being torn to shreds. We went to other pieces of property where they were like abandoned cars and 
they were finding like gigantic freaking prints on their cars or something was running across the um the junkyard with the cars. We were in a lot of places where people were encountering dog man. And that's when I first learned about how fast they move and how they decide if they're gonna scare you or if they're just gonna leave you alone. If you if you think back to those days, that's when I started calling it the crypto terrorists. I was like, man, this is the crypto terrorist dog man, because it terrorized people. And it was choosing to terrorize those people. Um, there were some there were some people that I talked to, they were like, well, we see it, it's huge, and it's super fast, and it'll run, and it'll look at you, but it won't bother you. And then were other people's like, man, this thing harasses the hell out of me. And I was like, well, that's not like normal behavior. You know what I'm saying? Like normally an animal wants to just get away from a human, but this is consciously making a decision to harass people. So I decided to go up there, and we were riding around talking to people, and then he took me to the spot where he had his encounter, and keep in mind, I'm not, I'm not believing in this at all. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, this is some bull. And we out there on the side of the road, and he's explained to me everything that happened. He shows me the pole where it was rubbing his back on, and you could see what something clearly was rubbing against the pole. Um, and then it starts to get quiet, and it gets freaky and weird, and he starts kind of spazzing out, like, we need to go. And then you literally hear these things coming through the woods. And it's not... And I told people over and over again, because people would ask me about the story, and it's like, well, what does it sound like? I was like, it was the fast, it sounded like extremely large freaking NFL players were running through the woods, but they were just running fast, like super freaking fast. Um, and I ended up being left out there, and he pull, ended up pulling off leaving me. And I was on one side of the road, and these things were on the other side of the road. I believe it was multiple of them on the other side of the road. Right. Um, and then I saw one of them kind of move from behind a tree to another tree. The movement was quick. It was fast. But it was so big, I was like, oh, my God, this is really real. Like, you know how you can feel? You know how you can not feel energy. But if you're in a room, put it to you like this. If you ever play hide-and-seek, like my girlfriend likes to play hide-and-seek. She's crazy, right? Like, <laughs> like, don't tell nobody she's playing hide-and-seek. Yeah. But she likes to play hide-and-seek. So I'll leave the house, come back, and the broad is like hiding from me. To just not to scare me, but just hiding for no freaking reason, right? So I walk into a room, but I can feel she's in a room. I just don't know where she is. You know how you can feel somebody there? Mm -hmm. You're not sure where they are? And that's what it was. I could feel them there. My body was reacting to their presence, but at first I couldn't see them. And then my body started really reacting to their presence. Like, I got to pee. Like, I really want to cry. Like, panic is like waves of panic and fear hitting me. Like, when I say waves... It's like an emotional wave that hits you. And then I saw it moving. I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm about to die out here. Luckily, he came back and picked me up, and we got the hell out of there. Um, but after that, that was enough, dude. I mean, that really was <laughs> enough for me. It was enough, like, investigating. I've had people like, yeah, man, we, gonna, we got a free Bigfoot investigation for you to come on. I'm like, hell no. I'm not going, no, no. I've been offered to get paid to go. Nope, not gone. Nope. I had a TV show talking about going in the woods. Nope, not going. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, man. Something creepy about them woods. Like, it's, I mean, no matter who you are, it's, it's just a whole another level once you go into, you know, any kind of woods, really, especially ones that, you know, you, there's no, like, other people out there. They don't really go out there. It's just kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's just anything can be out there. They have no idea 
the things that live out there, especially when there's no humans around. Dude, I'm going to tell you. So I was working on Dog Man Weekend for 2020, right? Mm -hmm. So here there's Bayou Sauvage Wildlife Restoration little area. That's where, um, if you remember one of the early, early Dog Man stories, by the guy who got trapped on the side of the train, the dog man was on the other side of the train. That's where yeah. Bayou Sauvage is, right? So I'm like, all right, me and my partner, we're going to go out here to Bayou Sauvage. We're going to go to back way, um, and we're going to go up the levee, and we're kind of going to go out here and see what we see. And my friend is uh, ex-military, um, actually, like, trained people to fight in the military. I'm like, all right, bro, we're about to go out here. I got the camera, dude. I got everything. And I'm like, okay, we're going to go out here. We get out there, and the first thing that goes wrong is the mosquitoes are like the size of freaking um, big lighters. And so we just walking along, walking along, and he's like, bro, hold on. And I'm like, well, what you want me to hold on for? But I said, let's get some footage, you know, because I'm thinking we're going to go out there and get some footage. And honestly, I'm thinking people are going to be looking at, you know how the people look at blob squatches? I'm like, the best we're going to do is get, like, blob squatches. People going to be like, oh, there was something in the bushes. Yeah. You know, but we weren't going to go that far, bro, to really, because it's, it's a long way around to get to the area where this guy was. And I had no plan on walking all the way around to where this dude was, because I know those things are over there. So literally, I'm I'm thinking about walking 200, 250 yards, and making it seem like I walked, you know, freaking a thousand yards, right? I'm honest. I'm just being honest with you. So we're walking along. And he's like, bro, we need to stop. We need to stop. And I'm like, well, we need to stop. So he's like, you don't feel that? And I'm like, feel what? But I'm looking through the camera, right? So, like, my my senses are distorted because I'm looking through the camera. He's not looking through the camera. Yeah. He's like, bro, I feel like something's watching us. I'm like, come on, dude, quit playing. He's like, put the freaking camera down and use your senses and just stand still and see if you feel something. So I put the camera down, and I'm standing there, and we kind of talking. And then it hits me like, yeah, man, I feel like it's like something watching us. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being paranoid. He was like, no, you're not being paranoid. He was like, man, I've been to war. I know when someone's watching me. I, I can feel it. And I was like, all right, bro, well, we need to head back. Dude, we start walking back. And I, if you look on, anybody who's listening to this, if you look on the map of New Orleans, go east till you get to the Little Wood subdivision on Google Maps, right? When you get to the end of Haynes Boulevard, um, in Little Woods, New Orleans, you're going to see like a swampy area. You're going to see Lake Pontchartrain. You're going to see a gigantic leverage. Make sure you turn on the map with the like the trees and stuff. You follow that, you're going to see a train track. Follow that train track, go all the way down. You're going to see where the levee turns and then it goes back towards Interstate 10 and then you'll see a little bridge where that's right next to the interstate. That's where we parked that on the bridge and then we walked up around the back side of the levee, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so we're headed back now because I'm like, okay, you know, he's freaking out, I'm freaking out. And it's not like, oh, some, oh, I'm scared of the dark stuff. It's like, yeah, something's really out here looking at us. And we get back to the car, like literally on the bridge to the car. And then you hear this freaking like screaming screech coming from the area where we were. And understand, we in my car, my car is a 2010 Ford Fusion. The air conditioning ain't working in it. You ain't got no choice but to ride around my car with the windows down. Like, that, yeah. period. Like, I, and I ain't putting no money into it because I'm about to get another car. So I'm like, man, we riding out here, mosquitoes in the car with us, biting us. It's hot. And you hear this screech. And he's like, dog, 
what the hell did you take me over here to get close to? Because that ain't no animal I ever heard. I was like, bro, I'm sorry. We shouldn't even came over here. We shouldn't even came over here. Because I'm thinking we're not going to run into nothing. And I'm like, bro, we should. But I know for a fact that's where they are outside of New Orleans. But, you know, the chances are of running into something like that is, to me, it's slim. But, you know, now, you know, Rand, you know, it's like, come on, man. I didn't see nothing, but I definitely heard it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the, I don't know. It's it's crazy. I mean, stuff like that in the woods. The, the, I mean, the main story that I actually, like, I loved was the story you did of the Alaskan expedition when they fought off, like, all the Bigfoots out there. Man. That story was crazy. I've heard that story over and over again. It's just, I couldn't even imagine. It's ridiculous what was going on out there. Dude, you couldn't even, when that stuff started coming my way, that was another thing. When, so I, my whole career in like the paranormal industry has been a series of realizations that stuff happens that I never thought could happen. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, for example, like us going out there. Now, I can't verify that that screeching was a dog, man, so I really won't call it a dog, man. And kind of like, I, I didn't see anything. I can't verify that that was, that's, it sounded freaking weird. But I can't verify, so I can't verify, so I don't consider it a dog, man. Kind of, something was screeching out there and screaming, which didn't sound normal. But it's been a series of realizations that things exist that my mind would never, ever have thought existed. And when those stories started coming my way, and when I started talking to those guys, I was like a staunch non-believer in everything. I was like, dude, there's no way in hell y'all flying around on a plane hunting nothing. There's there's no way you can do that. You know? And it's like, well, what do you mean there's no way you can do it? I said, there's no way you can financially spend the money to do that. I said, because it's a heavy financial burden to do that. I said, there's no way that, you know, governments and cities and towns are going to let you in that area to do that. It just doesn't make sense and arguing with these guys about this. And then finally, they got pissed off. I was like, okay, you don't believe this. All right, so look, I'm about to send you a package. It's like, well, you don't even know what it's I'm sending a package. I'm like, oh, crap, you really do know my address. And a couple of days later, I got a package about stuff that they owned, about the mine that they owned um, down in Venezuela. Like, uh, like, they revealed stuff to me before they told me stories, the rest of the story. So as they started telling me more and more of the stories, then there was, all the evidence was there. Like, and I could check it and Google it and look it up, and everything was there. Like, the deeds of property, everything was there. I was like, oh, holy crap, you're telling me the truth. Like, you're really telling me the truth. And so then... The challenge was how do you recreate that story and share it with people without um, without exposing too much about them and without having to take so much of it out of the story, so much details out of the story that it can still be entertaining. And it took a lot of energy and effort. Every time I put out one of those, it takes a lot of energy and effort to do it because I literally have to protect those guys and what they're doing and what they're saying, and especially the location. Because if you get to a certain location, it can lead back to one of them. Um, so yeah, it, it's some amazing stories that they've told me. Um, stuff that I, stuff that should be made in the movies, honestly. Yeah. And I've been accused, I have people accusing me like, man, you know, you made that up. I'm like, dude, if you know me, 
I don't have that kind of freaking imagination, bro. I can't make up nothing like that. Like, I, I can't. I'm a cigar smoking, trash talking dude from New Orleans who likes pretty women and cognac. I ain't got time to be sitting up here making up stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, it was it's definitely, I mean, you can make stuff up like that in your wildest dreams. I mean, it's just, it's some crazy stuff. I mean, that story, and then they had that expedition into Venezuela, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that one, I mean, I, I even went to go, went back and reheard um, the Siege at Lockett Ranch, which was a great story as well about, about Dogman. I've, I mean, I've heard that story so many times as well. It's one of my favorite ones that you have on there. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, and you know the thing about Dogman stories? That's a great story. But that's a weak dogman story yeah. compared to stuff, some of the stuff that I that I don't have permission to tell, bro. Like that's weak compared yeah. to some of the stuff that over the years I've heard that people just wanted to talk to me about and um and just get off their chest, but they didn't want it put out to the public because especially one story, there was no freaking way of not telling where this place was because it was it was dead smack in the middle where everybody would know exactly what the hell I was talking about. But it was one of the freakiest, weirdest dogman encounters ever where you got multiple dogmen showing themselves to a homeowner, not attacking them, but just constantly revealing themselves, constantly. And when I say reveal, I mean like you're driving by a tree um, and it steps from behind a tree. And it's just showing itself to them over and over and over again. Uh, to the point to where Bamley drove the dude crazy. Bamley drove, drove him crazy. And I, at first I thought he was mentally ill. Um, and I use the word mentally ill a lot because some people are like, there's these screws missing where they kind of want attention and they want, I don't know, I think it's, they need attention. Maybe it's extreme narcissism and they need attention and they tell you these lies. And I thought that's what he was. Um, but after talking to family members that were in the car with him and seeing it and everything else, I was like, man, this is crazy. Like, this is really, really crazy. So there are a lot of dog man encounters that when over time I'm going to be able to get a chance to tell um, some of them because some of the people are a lot older and they're about to die. Uh, and when they die, I'm just going to tell their story. Um, and other stories that I just think that as I continue to talk to people, they get more and more comfortable with my ability to hide stuff. But that particular story, I can't even... I can't even tell that one. I don't even think I can really get into all the details because it's literally happened in the middle of a place that everybody freaking would know, everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, hopefully one day, you know, either like you said, they give you permission or, you know, eventually one day when all the people finally pass away. But <clears throat> yeah, it's I can only imagine the kind of stories that that you have that you can't say anything about, which is unfortunate for us. But um that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, while we're on the topic of Dogman, I mean, it, like the latest stories you can give us that you, that you can talk about, really, um, you know, we can get into some of those. Well, I think the biggest thing in the Dogman world is the video that was just released um, with that encounter with the gentleman who opened his back door and you saw the damn Dogman run across the screen. I mean, I think that's one of the most, um, one of the most, uh, revealing pieces of information and video footage we have when it comes to dog man it's crazy because anybody who's seen it you actually see the haunches the long legs of this running across the screen and then when you slow the video down the thing was moving so fast that it stopped and looked at him and then kept running 
all within what three seconds? Yeah. It, it was crazy. Did you see that part? Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, that was nuts. That's craziness. Yeah, and that's the the I think the the most the most revealing thing about that was his reaction to the encounter. And if you had it, if most well, some people are kind of crazy, like, oh, I just want to see Dog Man, so they watch the first minute, two minutes over and over, but they never pay attention to the reaction. His reaction was exactly, I mean, exactly how Dogman encounter witnesses act. I mean, it's the exact behavior. Man, I'm just calling you to tell you the story because to see if I'm losing my mind or if I'm going crazy. And then once they realize that they're not going crazy, they're like, oh, Lord, what's going on out here by me? And what's, what, what am I supposed to do? And it goes to, it, it kind of hits, what do I do? And then it goes to, I realize I can't do, there's nothing I can do. And then it goes into fear. And then it kind of moves from fear to acceptance that, okay, well, really, I can't do nothing with a, a freaking 12-foot railroad, except I hope it don't come over here. And they accept it and they kind of adapt and adjust to it. And just like the young man said, I ain't going outside at night no more. His exact words, I ain't going outside at all at night. And when I talked to him, his exact words were, this thing was looking at me like, because he's seen it a number of times. Mm-hmm. This thing looked at me and showed itself to me and smirked at me like, I'm out here at night, still you're behind inside. His exact, his exact words were, you got my respect. You got the outside at night. I got the outside at day in the daytime, and I ain't going outside at night. And that's all it was to it. And literally, that is people's reaction when they see it. Um, just like the story I told on the website recently, which is a follow-up to um, what happened down. I think that's Homer. Um, it might be Homer Morgan City where these guys are. Anyway, they have a piece of property that's on the bayous. And they always have a dog man that just transverses the land across from their property, hops in the bayou, swims, goes and goes about his business. Never had a problem until one of their friends shot at it at a um, at an LSU football party. And of course. <laughs> you remember that story? And they came over to the edge of the, the uh, land right across from their house and started growling. And then, you know, the husband took the shotgun from the guy and pushed everybody inside and went on about his business. Well, they shared another story with me, and this wasn't recent, but it was a while ago that they shared it with me. I just decided to do it. Where that same dog man kept moving closer and closer to their property, ends up jumping in the water, um, and gets its gets trapped inside one of those crabbing, um, the crabbing nets. Yeah, those nets. Yeah. They have like these. They have these chains on that anchor them down, and it gets caught in one of those crabbing nets, and get the chain actually gets wrapped around its knees. And it's almost drowning. It swims to their side on their property and is literally on the ground getting the chains off of its knees and off of its ankles. And the husband walks out and sees it, looks at it, he's got a shotgun in his hand, and he says to himself, I'm not shooting this thing. This makes no sense. Like, there's nothing I can, I can't win if it gets out that chain. It's going to kill us. Go back in the house and leave it the hell alone. And the next morning he comes out and they got, there's a dead deer right there on his property. Um, right where the, in the same spot, the chains is there, the trap is there, and the deer is there. Like it pulled the trap out of the water and left it there, and then left the uh, and left the deer there. So people have different encounters with dog man, and I believe that it's one of those it's one of those creatures that if you give it a certain level of respect that it deserves, it'll leave you the hell alone. You know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah. if you're one of those people who like, oh yeah, I want to see a dog man, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna mess with him. 
right, go on out there and mess with them and see what happens to you. And that's happened to people over and over again. Yeah. How, so how, how secluded, like, are we talking here is, so I'm assuming Mississippi, I mean, obviously there's, there's backwoods that nobody ever goes into, but like in Louisiana, is, is that kind of the same way? Is there just more swamp than anything else? Or how does that work out there? We're talking about where the encounters are happening. Right. Honestly, bro, it's not really that frequent secluded. So then the the encounter that happened in New Orleans East is literally there's a neighborhood right there. You can throw a rock to a house from where that encounter was. Well, maybe if he was Drew Brees or one of the quarterbacks mm-hmm. or in an NBA MLB pitcher, you could throw it. But it's it's within walking distance of a person's house. Some of the encounters, right? right. Um, and then there's other encounters where it's like deep in the hollows in Kentucky deep in Georgia in the woods and it's, it's there's no real consistency in rule of where people can encounter dog man if there's one thing I would say that increases the chances of encountering one a dog man or Bigfoot is the waterways they transverse waterways so if you're in an area that has like a canal that leads to a river and a river that leads to a big body of water and on the other side of that big body of water is another river that leads up north or south, you probably got all kind of stuff transversing in that area. And that's where you end up finding them. There's either national parks in the area or there's huge bodies of water, swamplands that lead into other areas um, where they can move under the cover of being in the woods. And that's where those encounters happen. So, for example, New Orleans East, Little Woods is built on a swamp. It was all swampland before they built the houses. And it's an area where, honestly, you transverse from New Orleans to that particular section. You can transverse from New Orleans to the North Shore or Slidell. And it's just those waterways where people can can transverse back and forth. Uh, And I think that's why you have those encounters in those areas. I've never heard of a real dogman encounter that that was inside of a city like a Dallas or something like that. I've heard of like the demonic dogman encounters where something is manifesting itself like and pretending to be dogman um, inside of people's houses in their bedrooms in the middle of the night. That's not dogman, you know. Oh. If you're in Plano, Texas, <laughs> yeah. and you live off 75 and, and you wake up and see a dogman in your bedroom, it's not a dogman. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it's not. And then you go check all your windows and doors. How the hell it got in your house? Everything is fine. It's not a dogman. I leave you dreaming. Or you were messing with some magic and you manifested something in your pro- in your house that scared the hell out of you. And a lot of people do that. A, a whole lot of people do that. Man, for one thing, waking up to a dogman or even if it was something else in your in your house, wow, that's something crazy. I mean, so like I I don't really hear too many stories about dogmen out here, like in Texas. Really, is it kind of more centered in certain areas of the country or how does that work do you know there's plenty of dog man encounters in texas you, you go south um along the border of louisiana in texas go north of beaumont up through that area right uh, plenty 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 of dog man encounters um there's a lot of dog man encounters in that area um overall a lot of the ones that i get are from kentucky um, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, and there are a few 
in Arkansas. And I've had a lot of people from Ohio call me and tell me they've had encounters, but I just haven't, it just for whatever reason, it just seems like those people are lying. It's like, it's just a group of people, <laughs> that pack of people that's trying to lie to me. So I don't know about, I don't know what's up with that Ohio crew. I don't know what's going on with that. Exactly what um, it is about Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. involved in drugs that pass through there. But, uh, yeah, yeah maybe all the drugs that pass through there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's, so like, I, I guess growing up here in, in Texas, I'm not originally from Dallas. Like I said, I'm from West Texas, but um, it's, you never really heard too many stories about Dogman growing up. Um, I, I guess it's more because we don't really have like too many mountain ranges out here. Like, there's no like woods that you have to go up cliffs and you know stuff like that it's just kind of flat out here really um so i'm guessing more you know those areas where there's kind of like mountain ranges and stuff like that you would see more of it um but yeah it's that's crazy i had never heard any kind of stories about dogman here in texas um but that's and is it is it kind of more would you say to like the united states or have you ever had any other kind of stories about dogman being like in other countries or anything like that yeah, I've had dogman stories from all over the world. Like, I'm talking to a lady now from Romania, and she's sharing her dogman encounter with me. Her and her, her and her husband and his brother, so that would be her brother-in-law. And this is some of the craziest stuff I've ever heard. The problem is I literally have to have, we have to wait until the brother is there to translate into English what everybody's saying. So... First of all, you got to stay up to a certain time to talk to them. Yeah. And then you got to have one particular person to translate what they're saying in English. And it's some of the most scariest, creepiest stuff I've ever heard in my life. And this thing is huge, dude. It ain't like that video showed something that was maybe eight to 10 feet tall. This woman is describing something to me that's like 13, 14 feet tall when it stands up. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, wait, what? Because that. And you understand, when we talk about other countries, because most people really never travel, you never think about like swamplands and swampy areas in other countries. Right. But in Romania, they got a lot of swamplands and they got a lot of swampy areas. And the reeds in those swamps grow to be, you know, 12, 13, 14 feet tall. And in this particular area, they harvest the reeds to like use to make baskets and do all this other crazy stuff and make things with it, right? Um, but there's certain sections of the reeds that they need. So it's like you harvest the whole area and use everything while the other area is growing up. And then you go back and harvest the other one later and let these grow. Cause they're constantly using them as for fire to build, you know, to build barns, do all kinds of stuff. Right? right. So there's certain areas that they just don't harvest. So the reeds get extremely high. And she was in the area where those reeds were high. And literally this thing was taller than the reeds looking down at her. And she, she lost, and this is a little lady, she lost that shit, man. Like, she lost the shit and scared the hell out of her. She thought she was having a heart attack. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely dogman encounters um, literally all over the world. I've talked to people out of Africa, and it's not so much the same thing as this wolf-like looking dogman that we have. It's more of a freaking hyena-looking thing on two legs. Um and that's that's extremely scary. In fact, the guy who did the Siege of Locker Ranch comic book, mm. um, he had an encounter with something, and he didn't call it Dog Man. He just said it was on two legs, and it looked like a hyena. 
and his girlfriend, um, who's has met with his wife now, she actually corroborated his story. And uh, talking to them was just like talking to the other witness. I mean, they were literally scared. And they haven't been back to that area since. And they had a lot of family in that particular area. And they haven't been back since. And they have no plans of going back. So, excuse me, there's um, literally dogman encounters everywhere. Um, and then there's this other thing that, um, that people talk about. And I don't know if they really understand. They talk about, like, skinwalkers. Um, and people are like, oh, that's a skinwalker. And they, a lot of people believe that the, the whole skinwalker thing is extreme, is like only limited to Native Americans. Right. But in Africa, you have extremely powerful witch doctors that have the same ability to convert and transform themselves into or present themselves as anything they want. And in Africa, there are certain, especially in Gabon, Africa, there are witch doctors that choose to transform and you know, reveal themselves as things that look like gigantic freaking werewolves. I got a story coming out about that real soon. I've been working on it because it's so detailed. Um, when it does come out, it's going to be mind-blowing. But uh, there's so much that goes into the whole dog-man thing that is ridiculous. Magic plays into it. Terrain plays into it. Um, the actual person sometimes plays into it. Like the individual human that has the encounter sometimes play into it. There's just a lot of factors that go into having a dog man in common. Yeah, definitely. And now that you mentioned it, Romania would seem like the key place where you would have stories about dog men and stuff like that. That's just kind of like a perfect recipe really when you think about it. But uh yeah, I mean it's like you say, there's there's different cultures all over, all around the world that have, you know, their versions of it. Um you see even down like in Mexico they have their version of it where they have witch doctors as well that turn into jaguars and they, they kind of like stalk the woods, stuff like that. Um, you know, it's not as big as a dog man, but still, you, you know, you kind of have the same concept of them transforming into animals and kind of stalking the woods, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not. And you know, the weirdest thing, most people don't understand, they kind of casually talk about that. Most right. people don't understand what it takes for someone to obtain that kind of magical power. Like, um, one of the, the things about being dog warriors is I end up talking to all kinds of people. So I talk to like uh, Luciferians slash Satanists. Sometimes they won't call themselves a Satanist. Sometimes they won't call themselves Luciferians. I talk to witch doctors. I talk to witches. I talk to voodoo, voodoo practitioners, you know, hunters. And one of the things that I've learned from the, the witch doctors is that um, in order to get to the point to where you can do that kind of magic, you have had to make a lot of sacrifices. Like, you have to participate in cannibalism. Um, you have to participate in murder of a loved one. Yep. And it's to get to that powerful, that powerful, most powerful point, you do things that completely separate yourself from, um, from God himself. You have to literally break the commandments of God in order to obtain that kind of power. And you have to happily break those commandments of God in order to attain that kind of power. Yeah. And then once you've done that, then you're granted that type of power, which is crazy, but I know it's true because the people who do it, you know, you can go back and read about people who've done it. Um, but it takes a lot to get to that point. So right. it, it's when someone throws around a term like, Oh, that's a skinwalker. I'm like, you think you really believe that a lot, there's that significant number of people 
went through those rituals where they actually ate their own flesh, like sat there and cut their thumb off, cooked their own thumb, and then ate it. Like, anybody doing that? Yeah. You got to be a special type crazy SOB to do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you went and killed your own mother? Like, come on. Like, you got to be a sadistic, crazy, psychopathic person to do that. So when people say, oh, it's a skinwalker, I don't think they understand what it takes for someone to get to the point to where they're a skinwalker or a true 100%, you know, powerful witch doctor. People don't understand what it takes to get to that point. So they kind of throw it around like, oh, that's what this is. But they don't know the back end story and they don't understand what it takes to get there. And if you know that, then you know there's there's not a skinwalker in every freaking town. You kind of get what I'm saying? This is not like supernatural and Dean and Sam aren't riding around in their beautiful black car. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's just yeah. not what it is. Yeah. No, it's the whole dogman uh, thing is, it's, it's something that's, I mean, it's extremely interesting, obviously um, extremely terrifying as well, but I mean, that'll be something that until we actually catch one or somebody actually finds one and everybody sees it for themselves, it's, you know, you're going to have all those other people that say it doesn't exist. And then you're going to have the other people on the other side that say, you know, I've seen one or it absolutely exists. Um, and then I definitely lean on the side that it actually does exist. Um, there's just too many anomalies out there in the world to think that things like that just can't, can't exist out there somewhere. Um, you know, it's definitely possible. Um, I don't wish that I could see one, but if I were to catch one and see one, you know, at least that would be amazing. But I would never actually go out there looking for one like you did. I don't want to get stranded out there again, <laughs> like you did as well. Uh, yeah, that was stupid. You know, I'm at a point now <laughs> in my life where I believe everything exists, bro. Yeah. Like, I've seen, I've talked to enough people, seen enough spooky, crazy stuff to where I'm at a point to where I believe everything exists. Like, I'm not saying nothing won't surprise me, but I believe everything exists. And I would I would have to disprove it now. It used to be like you have to prove it to me. Now I have to disprove that it doesn't exist. Um, but if you tell me, man, you know, I saw a freaking walking hamburger patty. <laughs> uh, it's possible. You know what I'm saying? It's another you know, possibility. <laughs> if you tell me, yeah, I got a pit bull who likes to buy Jordans. Okay. I can believe that. Let's let me see the pit bull. I'm just I'm still believing then you disprove it. But I'm I'm no longer just gonna sit there and say, Oh, that that's not possible. Because it just makes no freaking sense anymore to take that stance. It's too much, way, way too much stuff that I've seen and way too much stuff that I've heard. And just, you know, like for example, on the really scary, you know, demonic side, man, I've talked to people. Forget the people I've talked to. I've had people call me with different voices, and this went on for like three months, bro. My phone would ring, different phone number, different voice, one conversation. So imagine on Monday, someone calls you and tells you, um, you think God can save you, but nothing can save you. No one can save you. Your sins are going to, your sins will never be forgotten, right? And it's a woman's voice, like a, young white woman's voice. And it ends with, you know, nothing can save you. Your sins won't be forgiven, right? Then the next day you get a phone call and it's like an old black man's voice, sound like a blues player. And he picks up where the other person left off and just keeps talking. And then the next person is a little girl on the phone. And this shit happened to me, bro, for like three months and I was freaking out. And I was like, what the hell did I piss off 
that it's calling me like this. Like, it, it, like crazy stuff like Jesus Christ doesn't exist. You think you're saving souls by talking about Christianity. Your mom is in hell. Like crazy, crazy stuff. Like saying stuff, and I've never told anybody this. I tell, I just, like my mom died of cancer, right? Okay. And it was saying stuff that only my family knew. Like, um, one of the things it said was like, your mom is going to, your mother will never forgive you for leaving the hospital the night she died. Um, you should have been there with your mom when she died. Like, dude, don't nobody know that shit but me, my sister, my uncle, and that's it, and my dad. Hmm. And I, I left the hospital because my wife was at home pregnant and she wasn't feeling good, so I went to go check on her. And by the time I got home, my mom had passed, right? So, like, that's some kind of evil spirit or entity that knows stuff is not supposed to know. And it, it was just, it was, it was hammering me, bro like hammering me. I'm talking about like, you know, the perfect, and this is how you know evil. Like most people don't understand how evil operates because their mind really can't fathom what true evil is. You know what I'm saying? So when people say, oh, there's pedophile networks that kidnap and rape and kill children, most people are like, ah, oh, that can't exist because their mind really can't, can't go right. to a dark place and understand what evil is. Right. But what true evil does is it always attacks you while you're vulnerable. So... Every time I got the phone call, something else crazy was going on. Like, I'll never forget one time I had almost had an accident with someone. We literally sit there arguing back and forth, and the phone rings in the car. Like, the Bluetooth phone rings in the car, and I go to, you know how you answer the phone, you're aggravated, you're like, hello? Yeah. You, know, you know how you do that, you're aggravated. Like, I'm like, hello? And then there they go, talking to me. And I'm like, this is crazy. So, um, when it comes to demonic activity and demonic things that happen, to me, Dogman is scary, Bigfoot is scary, but just the demonic influences and the things that um, certain entities try to do is the most frightening thing to me because in some cases, it's subtle. Like, in my case, it wasn't subtle. In my case, it was just like straight up, we assaulting you, we coming straight down the pipe at you, right? right? But for other people I've talked to, it's been little subtle things that happened that completely took them off path. They were on their way to college, or they were in their freshman year of college doing extremely well. They started playing with a Ouija board. Next thing you know, they were strung out on heroin, right? <laughs> Shit, yeah. But it was a demonic influence that was doing it to them. Um, one young lady, beautiful young lady, had won, like, um, beauty pageants her whole life. Um, she started hanging out with a boyfriend that practiced the occult. And the only reason why she hung out with the guy is because she thought he was extremely cute and this and that, and he was charismatic. Next thing you know, this girl is what you uh, is being sex trafficked. She was sex trafficked for a year, and so the thing about those influences, um, I think that's the scariest thing to me about the paranormal world because it it gets into spiritual warfare. Most people don't even realize that they're at war on a daily basis. That's what I'm saying. So for those of you listening to me, make sure you pray. Make sure you pray for your children, your family. Um, and don't get so involved in listening to the paranormal that you open yourself up to things. You know what I'm saying? Because right. we, our minds and our hearts open up portals to things to come in our house. And, and most people don't realize that. Objects, thoughts, feelings, emotion, all can open portals to where things come in. And now you got something, you know, uh, living with you. And, and you're not even spiritually adept enough to know that it's there with you and it's there next to you. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, 
it's like I always say, for, the, for those people that don't believe in the devil, um, it really doesn't matter because the devil, he's, he's coming for you nonetheless, whether you believe in him or not. Um, and I had a, a guest on a couple of nights ago uh, by the name of Bishop Larry Gators. Um, and we talked about that as well. Um, and I, I mentioned to him, the devil nowadays isn't even trying to hide himself anymore. Uh, oh, no. And, and, and it's, it's sad that all the people out there have no clue. Like, they, they just can't see it. You know, he's not even trying to hide anymore. He's just coming after everybody. Um, and nobody's, nobody sees it. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it's, I guess it's, it's, it's willful, willful ignorance. Uh, they just don't want to see or They just don't believe that it could actually happen. Nowadays, you have people that don't believe in God at all, uh, which is a mess. You know, like, like a majority of, of the nation are atheists. Uh, they just don't believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus Christ or anything like that whatsoever. Um, so, you know, if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, they don't believe in the devil. But that doesn't mean that the devil doesn't believe in you and that he isn't coming for you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so everybody definitely needs to uh, stay on the right side um, when it comes to the light versus the dark because um, it's very real and it comes for you hard and fast. And um, once it has its grip on you, there ain't much to do after that because um, it's coming for you hard. <laughs> No, and it's it's really that's what it does. Like, um, and I'm just talking, so I'll get into random stories. But like, one of the things that comes to mind, um, there was this gentleman I talked to. He's went to Tulane. Well, he well he was at Tulane until the coronavirus stuff hit. But he was at Tulane, and this guy started off kind of with the same you know young guy porn addiction that everybody else has, and his porn addiction got worse and got worse and got worse and got worse to the point to where he wanted to experience things. He ends up in a house on St. Charles tied up in a basement um, because he let that addiction get the best of him. Imagine you're in a house, like a pretty much a mansion on St. Charles, tied up not in a basement, but in like a, a back room, um, tied up inside of a pentagram um, with people all around you reading stuff and, doing all kind of freaky, crazy stuff. That's where he ended up at because of his porn addiction. And people don't understand, like, remember I was talking about the kind of gentle nudges, like you get nudged in this direction, you get bumped again, it's a bump again. He ended up at that point. And it took him to get to that point to sit there and say, oh, my God, what, what am I doing? Why am I here? Like, it took all that to get him to stop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, like, a lot of the demonic encounters, people want to hear about, like, the black, mass coming out of the ceiling and there's those kind of encounters those freaky like that's I got those but the, right. the most deadly and the most life altering ones are the nudges like those nudges are something else man I mean it's insane and I see it happening to my friends and family all the time like you'll see the little nudge to where the personality is changing about a certain issue and this and that and I'm like yo you need to get it together homie like you tripping right now yeah. like what's wrong with you because I know what's going on with them you know what I'm saying Oof. yeah no yeah it's extremely creepy scary i mean it's there's there's many different ways that they can they can get you especially with any kind of addiction really i mean like you mentioned porn you can it can be anything really um drugs um i guess there's there's a whole a whole gamut of ways that he can actually pull you in which which is quite scary but the only thing that we can do is pray on a daily basis and pray that you're on the right path um and try not to get mixed up in these kind of things because like you said they lead you into some crazy places um end up on drugs or you can end up being trafficked you can end up 
killing people or something, you know, it's, you just never know, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, that's the scary part. Yeah. And, you know, on the Bigfoot front, um, I think I just put out the most terrifying Bigfoot story I've ever heard. And it's, it's crazy because, yeah. like, at the end of the day, I can't figure out what happened. The guy who told me the story can't figure out what happened. Um, but there definitely was Bigfoot involved. And I don't, I don't know what could have happened to this family. And basically, this guy's a um, is an a, a appraiser, I mean, an inspector for Bank of America. And he called me, wanted to share a story about Bigfoot. He was like, "Man, you know, I got a Bigfoot story for you." And I'm wondering if you can kind of tell me what you think happened. Make a long story short, he goes to this house, uh, and when he gets there, he's supposed to do the interior inspection, the exterior inspection, because the, it's a bank-owned property, meaning that the bank foreclosed on it. Right. And so he's doing the inspection to make sure that, you know, when they go to sell it, you know, there's no cracks in the foundation, there's no leaking pipes, there's no none of that proof, right? The air conditioning really works, everything is fine. And he goes through the house and gets inside the house, bro, and it's literally, like, living ready. Like, everything is in the people's house. So imagine nobody's at home, but, you know, there's still a hairbrush on a dresser, and there's still toilet paper on the rolls. There's still a bed that's made in the house. like. Like you were in your house yesterday and then you just vanished, right? And now that was the feeling he got. He even went so far as to tell me, he was like, bro, you could see where someone was preparing to cook in the kitchen, where like the cutting board was out, salt and pepper was out, um, cayenne pepper was out um, on the counter. Like someone was preparing to cook, but nobody was home. And so he gets to the part where he's doing a roof inspection, gets up on the roof and walking the roof and but there was kind of these waves on the roof where the shingle had kind of was waving, shingles were wavy, which normally means that the boards, the plywood under the roof has got a problem or there was a leak and then the wood started warping and something. So he's up on the roof trying to take a look at it and he notices there's shotgun shells in the gutter, like a lot of shotgun shells. Like somebody was on the roof shooting a shotgun and having some serious, having serious shootout, right? And then he walks to the other side of the roof and finds a thumb in the gutter, like a human thumb. Like someone took a human thumb and just ripped it off. Not like somebody cut it, yeah. but took it and ripped it off. Bone popped out, flesh kind of torn, like he finds a thumb. But it's been there for a while, but it's a thumb. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And freaks him out. He calls the people at the bank, telling people at the bank, he don't know what the hell going on. They're like, look, just get the inspection done. And he leaves, does his part of the inspection, go ahead and leaves. Before he leaves, he called the police, and then the police kind of, him and the police kind of go back and forth. Um, and he ends up leaving, and then the realtor comes. The realtor's at the property, going through, trying to do what she needs to do to get it sold, and she sees multiple Bigfoots out there. In fact, she saw one standing at the back door while she was in the house. And that's one of the most scary Bigfoot encounters I can, I mean, honestly, I could ever I got ever think of because at the end of the day, I really believe that maybe those people were taken. That family was taken. They had to be. They yeah. absolutely had to be. And the car was still in the garage, bro. Yeah, especially if the Bigfoot is was brave enough to be up at the house, right? Up at the, I mean, up at the house at the back door and another yeah. one at the window. Like, they're up on the house. <laughs> no way, man. No, 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 no. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm trying, I'm, 
I'm still, I was trying to get an interview with that sheriff that went out to the property to meet him. Because when he was on that roof and he saw the thumb and he saw the shotgun, he calls the sheriff like, yo, somebody got to come out here and take a look at this. And the sheriff climbs up on the roof and takes a look and like, what the hell is going on, right? So I tried, I'm still trying to get the sheriff to do an interview, but he's worried about losing his job and all the rest of this school. And I'm like, bro, you just, you know, we can just figure it out. You, we'll figure out a way. And he's like, nah, I, I can't afford to lose my job. I got a family to feed. It's extremely weird. Nobody knows what happened, but I don't know if I want to, you know, go down that road. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, um, I, I mean, especially the one thing that I would say if that would lead you to believe that they weren't taken is if, you know, they just left like in the middle of the night. But then you throw in that factor where there's that, that missing thumb on the roof. That you know, that can only mean that either one, the father or whoever it was, was on the roof trying to hold them off as they were trying to get to them, and he just got yanked off the off the roof, you know, somehow. But yeah, definitely, like they were just in the house and then they were gone. Like you know, like if somebody was just there and they just left, it's definitely coupled with the fact that the Bigfoot was up at the back door and they were looking through the windows. I'm pretty sure i can almost guarantee that they went in the, into the house and took them or they tried to make a run for it and they got freaking taken in the night or something but something got them yeah that's all i can tell you something got them and that's that's scary man um to me that's scary and that's that's something you could probably make a whole freaking movie about right there on its own like because that's just creepy to me mystery sometimes is a little bit more scarier than just having all the details of what's going on because I just can't imagine, you know, someone leaving their house like that. Mm-hmm. Like like me just walking out the door and never coming back. Screw yeah. it, I'm not, I mean, literally leaving everything like it is. Computer still sitting on the bed, glass is still right here, you know, cell phone still in place. Just walk out of, just walk out of the house. And, and you know, it just doesn't make sense. So I, I think something took them. Um, I don't know if I ever get to the bottom of it, but I told the story. I definitely told the story. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, the fact that they would be so brave just to come out of, you know, wherever they were from in the woods and just walk up into neighborhoods or walk up to houses and actually take people is one thing. It's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, but I, I mean, I also saw that you had on there that um, Bigfoot story about the killer Bigfoot. Is, is that the, a separate oh, yeah, story? Yeah, that's the one that uh, the contractors told me. Yeah, that one's, that's that's that. You know, I'll t- this is what I say about military men, military contractors, um, special operations guys. You know, prior to me doing this, you know, you kind of know that those guys are pretty much badass, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because you see them on, like, TV and they do stuff. But, man, once you realize, like, what these dudes are really capable of, like the it's amazing these guys are like to me they're like superhumans because these dudes are like i don't understand how you even they're wired differently you know what i'm saying like something's wrong with the wiring in their head like they're wired crazy yeah and that particular group of guys is just wired just as crazy as anybody i've ever talked to and they end up going down to argentina to try and track down some intel about a terrorist attack. Terrorist attack was actually going to happen in New York. I don't know if I disclosed that on the story or not. And um, 
I can't remember the name of the city. It was Pico or something like Rio Pico. Was a, it was a little city that they were right outside of. I think it's Rio Pico. And they started heading up into this kind of mountainous terrain. And if you look up, yeah, it's Rio Pico's area. If you look at Rio Pico, Argentina on a map and you look at the mountains around there, right. you see the kind of terrain I'm talking about. And um, they ended up, the first thing they saw that was weird was a freaking uh, a freaking human foot inside of a shoe. And I don't know what it is about Bigfoot with ripping human body parts off, but it's a human foot inside of a shoe. Imagine if something took you, grabbed you by your ankle, broke the bone, and just ripped, ripped it off, right? Yeah. And that's what it looked like. And that's how you described it. It's like, man, it looked like somebody just grabbed the human, cracked them, ripped the damn, you know, ripped the damn foot off and took everything else and left the foot. And I'm like, okay. That's crazy. Um, and so they ended up going further and further up the mountain looking for these guys. And they got to a point where there's this clearing. And it's kind of hard to explain, but if you imagine a plateau, right, like a flat area. And then normally there would be trees there, but those trees were ripped up by the roots. I'm talking about ripped up, like completely ripped up by the roots to where tree roots are like twisting and turning but it, they're thrown to the side and tilted over and dropped over to where the roots are up out of the ground. And so as they're walking forward, there's these roots like on each side, left and right, like an alleyway, but on your right is tree roots, on your left is tree roots. Mm-hmm. And the point man had went ahead of them and was scouting out trying to look for the guys and he was going to radio back if he found anything where they hear him up there shooting and throwing grenades and all kind of crazy stuff. So they run up there trying to see what's going on and he ends up fleeing back towards them through those trees, and this Bigfoot steps out and literally throws a freaking tree limb at this guy like a javelin. Like, and that's exactly how he described it. I'm not going to use the language that he used because he was just fast when he told me the story. He was like, he threw it like it was an effing javelin. He was yeah. like, like it, was a, it was the freaking Olympics. And it threw it, and the main part of the tree uh, limb missed him, but the branches and the little, you know, the stub parts that stick out on the tree. Yeah. Like the little that bust them upside the head and killed them. Damn. And so they got pissed off and they start shooting at this thing. It retreats back into the woods. Um, but now it's throwing rocks and boulders and the rocks and boulders not working. So then it started flipping over trees, just like it flipped over the other roots of the trees. And started literally flipping trees at them. And so, um, one of the snipers got a shot on it and ended up hitting it and it went back into the woods. Now, this is the, this is why I say these guys are like extremely brave, not even brave, crazy. They still went and got the intel they were supposed to get. I would have went home, bro. <laughs> but they still completed their mission. I don't know how the hell you complete the mission when you know you got a monster in the woods with you. They went and completed their mission and got the hell out of there. Um, I have the highest level of respect for for the military and the highest level of respect for guys who do that kind of stuff. Because those dudes are like warriors. Those are some Spartan, Leonidas, 300 type dudes, man. Like those dudes are like, wow. Right. You know, they're some wild characters. Yeah, definitely crazy. Definitely a breed all on their own. I've, I've known many of them, um, you know, actually being stationed overseas and stuff like that. Some crazy dudes. Um, they're definitely on their own island when it comes to the mental capacities that they <laughs> acquire when they're out there doing their jobs. 
Um, but yeah, that's man. I mean, there's stories like that, especially when it comes to the military of guys that, you know, see things out there in the woods and in the jungles, uh, even, you know, out there, like in the mountains of Afghanistan. Um, there's definitely a lot of stories. I have a few that I can actually send you, um, of, of some people that I know, um, that, you know, they wouldn't mind me sharing, um, and I can I, I can send those to you afterwards, but some crazy crazy stories uh, that I've heard actually, um, even here stateside, um, you know, next to bases and stuff like that, even on bases. Uh, I was stationed in South Carolina for a while, um, and there's nothing but woods all around the base. Uh, you would hear crazy things in the night. You see crazy things in the woods. Uh, some crazy stuff out there. But uh, I can definitely. Back, I think I've heard about that base in North Carolina. Uh, yes, I was actually stationed in South Carolina. Um, there's a base out there that's kind of on the river. Well, it's actually on the river, not, you know. Um, there's not too many people that know that that place is out there. Um, and I'm just, yeah, so the name of the base is NPTU Charleston. Um, and the people that live on the river there, they have no idea that there's actually nuclear reactors in their backyard. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, some crazy stuff on the river out there there's that base it's not like a closed off base it's it's kind of open there's no like entrance gates that you have to go through you can just kind of drive onto the base and you know stuff like that but surrounding the barracks and, and those areas there's woods like everywhere behind it um and they go deep there's like deer back there and there's all kinds of animals back there you would hear crazy things at night you would see stuff like in, in the mist because it would get real it's like real humid out there. So when it would rain, stuff like that, it would get real misty. Yep, that's out there. the same place. And it would get extremely misty, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely. That's the same place. That's the same place. That's where um, those two guys that told me about that place, they were stationed there. And um, I think there's a road that leads in, and then there's like some kind of access to the road that goes around the back somewhere up in there. And they ended up leaving out, and they were supposed to be going down this little access road. And the they got a flat tire on a jeep and the way they described it to me was it was a standard military issue jeep you know the kind that you could take apart and put back together and it yeah. was out there changing the tire on a jeep and they start they said it was misty it, they described it as not misty but as like foggy right and said so, man it was foggy out there and we were out there fucking around with the tire and you start to see these glowing freaking green eyes and I was like, well, you know, green eyes that kind of are translucent and glowing, glowing is Bigfoot, right? And it was like, well, we didn't know what the hell it was. We start seeing these green eyes and multiple pairs of green eyes because they still had the headlights on. And they were seeing these green eyes, this green eye shine from the headlight. Right. And, um, and I was like, well, how, how many? And it was like six, seven pairs of eyes. And I was like, oh, that's bad. Mm, no way. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean those those roads wind back there. Um, there's like like a riverway that, that goes through there. It leads, um, I remember, it leads back out to the ocean out there. So um, there's that river that kind of crosses in the middle of Charleston. It reaches from I don't remember exactly how it goes through, but it goes through out to the ocean. Um, so you have like giant tankers that go through there. Um, but that that river is like wide, so there's no telling what comes through that river. And it goes wow. all the way down through and it winds all the way in the back into the woods. And it's, I mean, there's nights that I would actually be like on patrol out there because I was an MP or for the Navy, but um, 
you would be out there like on patrol and you would kind of be out there in the woods and you have to get off and inspect certain areas, you know, things like that, make sure all the locks are locked, stuff like that. Uh-huh. But like, like in the woods, like at two, three in the morning and it's just like here, freaking branches cracking and you would just kind of see things or at least you thought you would see things out there in the woods and it's just like man, i just want to get back in my car just take off because i don't want to be caught out there it's just you by yourself like there's nobody with you um you know you're like the station's actually maybe about two miles away stuff like that so it's not like anyone's going to come for you you have the only vehicle out there right now so it's you're just on your own that's it there's nobody out there with that's you. scary bro <laughs> that, that's scary and that, was that the same base where they did training in those woods right um i'm not exactly sure so that was a joint base uh, it was the navy with the air force um you had a bunch of marines out there as well i'm pretty sure they they did because there was a lot of different areas they would kind of branch out there's like 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 these little service roads that would branch out everywhere and you'd have like like a marine building out there where they would kind of go out there and train in the woods and then you would have us out there and the air force yeah I'm, I'm trying to figure out we're talking about the same place and that's the same place in south carolina right 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 yeah yeah there was yeah a, i think we're there. talking about the same place i think i think that's the same place those stories came from because they were they, i remember them describing they had all these access roads that would lead back into the woods and i was yeah. like man that's creepy and crazy because that's like completely crazy and those guys were out there for a while they were on that base for a while and it got to the point, if I'm not mistaken, that's the same base where a lot of the MPs were seeing creepy, crazy stuff right along the fence line and all the other crazy stuff. Um, I think that's the same base. But, yeah, uh, that you know, when it comes to Bigfoot, and I don't understand why they would be around a military base, um, but it seems to be a lot of activity around military bases. And maybe because we like to plop our bases in the middle of places where they transverse, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. That, that that area out there i don't know exactly how far it, it would spread out I, I never followed like the roads all the way out and stuff because some of them were out there you catch a road or some, some kind of training center like the shooting range but then they would keep going and there was like gates out there you'd have to go through and keep going out into the woods so i don't know exactly how far they would end up but like the areas that we would kind of stay in it was you could see some pretty crazy stuff because you know everything was kind of separated with the air force and the navy and then everybody else so everybody had their own side to it so it was kind of it was a trip there's that base would go out like into the woods for like miles and you didn't even know what was out there <laughs> there's nothing out there sometimes just woods and stuff so yeah now, i'll tell you another place where people encounter both bigfoot and dog man and, it, and honestly if you really want to encounter something like this this is the easiest way to do it go find a place where there was an old railroad line that was that wasn't used anymore okay um like old railroad tracks that have been cut off and they don't use them, just walk along those tracks. Because those tracks go for miles and miles and miles through the woods. But once they're no longer in use and the woods are taking them back, man, there have been so many encounters with crazy people who like to go down those freaking railroad tracks. <laughs> Bigfoot, dog, man, freaking um, gigantic lizard, freaking men, alligator men. Oh, my God, alligator man. That was one of the worst encounters that I've heard in a long time. Guy ends up doing that same thing. Um, he starts driving his truck along one of those old abandoned railroad tracks. And actually, he wasn't in a, the best mental state at that point in time in his life because he had lost a friend. And so he was just trying to get away from people. And he's just driving along, driving along, kind of clearing his mind, which, you know, you know how you would do it normally? You would drive on a highway to do that. 
mm-hmm. and just drive a couple of miles and clear your head. This clown decides he's going to drive the railroad tracks. And he's driving, driving, driving. He's like five, six miles down this abandoned railroad track. And out walks, a, literally walks a freaking upright walking alligator. Like literally alligator walking upright. Head, the whole nine. Tail, the whole nine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what in the hell is this? And it just walks out. And it ain't walking fast, bro. It's walking slow and kind of cumbersome. Like, you know, people describe dog man as being like quick and fast. This thing is like plop, 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 plop. And he's like, whoa, what the hell is this? You know, what's going on? And he watches it, just walk straight across and off into the woods. And I was like, dude, we shouldn't have been out there in the first place, man. You really shouldn't have been out there in the first place because you know that's where crazy, freaky, weird stuff happens. Um, And I've only heard two alligator man stories ever. That one and then the other one that happened around State Line, Mississippi. State Line, Mississippi is a crazy place, bro. If you want a place not to go, don't go to State Line, Mississippi. (laughs) Tell me. Don't go there under any circumstances. If you find yourself like, oh, I'm around State Line, Mississippi, go in the opposite direction. They got, they got freaking invisible freaking beings in people's houses that'll grab you and pull you out the house. They got alligator man. They got Bigfoot. They got dog man. They got ghost cars that run people off the road. Something's wrong in that area, bro. Like something's really, really wrong there. Like something's crazy. Like that right there is some supernatural TV show type bull crap going on in State Line, Mississippi. Like don't go there. I tell people all the time, don't go over there. It's just too much stuff that happens there. I've actually, I've actually driven through Mississippi. I actually drove from South Carolina um, all the way to El Paso. Uh, like in two days, I took that drive. It was like 23 hours. Um, and I stopped on the border of Mississippi um, coming west. And I slept like in a little rest area in my car. Exactly for like sure. three, four hours. And I was just in the middle of the night. It was like one, two in the morning. Um, I mean, there was a bunch of trucks out there and stuff like at the rest stop, but it was literally in the middle of nowhere right on the border. Um, like I, I kept waking up cause I would hear things and I was like, ah, I didn't see anything. I was I go back to sleep, but it was, yeah, it was definitely, I stopped like in Alabama, stuff like that in the middle of nowhere. And you know, I came all the way through Shreveport and made it into Dallas, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, I would, I would sleep out there. I would just, in my car and just like right there in the rest areas. But yeah, it's, but I would have spent that, <laughs> I spent that $54 to sleep at motel six, but I'm telling you, uh-uh. that rest area foolishness. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't stop at rest areas in the night, in the dark. Yeah, I don't right. stop. Like if I'm stopping on the highway, I'm stopping. I would have slept outside a gas station in the parking lot all day long. Yeah. A truck stop. I ain't stopping at no rest station in the night in the dark. That makes no sense. It's, that's too crazy. My truckers could do that. You know, you're in a big old truck, a big 18-wheeler, you way up off the ground. You know, that vehicle is designed for somebody not to break into it or for something creepy not to happen. But man, in a car, hell no. Yeah, I had, yeah, I had a Jeep at the time, so it was like all the windows around plus the sunroof. There's plenty of ways for them to get into me, to wherever I was in there. Mm. So yeah, it was definitely... I mean, I was only there for a few hours, but those few hours where I was like awake and then back asleep and awake because I would hear things like, what the hell was that? Nah, it was nothing. Just go back to sleep. But yeah, it was the whole time. <laughs> it's crazy. 
<laughs> I'm gonna tell you the people that learn the hard way about um about you know being in a vehicle. So you know they got this movement going on right now where a lot of people want to live out of their truck and live out of their van, especially their these van flippers. Yeah. Dude, these dudes, these people tried to start a YouTube channel um, living in their van, and they called me and told me their first encounter that they had, and I don't know what this was. I don't think it was Dogman. I don't think it was Bigfoot, but whatever it was, scared the hell out of them. Their whole thing was, we're going to live out of our van and drive across the U.S. and just kind of, you know, stop in little towns and hang out. Man, them people get in Arkansas, like North Arkansas, and they stop, and they decide they're going to sleep. You know, they're living in the van. They're going to sleep at a rest stop. And something started scratching on, like, the paint off the side of their van. Mm-hmm. Like, literally scratching. But it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like claw marks, like three or four claws. It was just like two sharp freaking just, like, scratching on the side of their van. And when they they got all the windows, they're looking out the windows, they don't see anybody out there, but literally you can you're right there next to the side of the van. You can hear the scratching, you can feel the van kind of moving from the scratching. You can look out the window, but you don't see anything. Mm-hmm. And man, it was like this van living crap that changed all that for them right there. It, this is not for us. It was like, uh-uh, we done. We okay. done with it. We're not doing it no more. We're gonna go find us an apartment. They gave it up. Because <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I think that was like at the first week, dude, of that stuff. They gave it up. They was like, uh-uh. They were talking about we're going to have our kid. We're going to live in the van with our kid. And I'm like, that's child abuse, man. You don't have no child growing up in no damn van. What's wrong with you? Like, but that whatever that was, it changed their mind real quick. And it had to be something spiritual. I don't know if it was a cryptid, but it was something. I think that's even even worse when you're, you know, you're kind of looking out the window, like you said, and you, there's nothing there, but you can hear, you can feel it. It's something visible or some kind of spirit or something messing with you. But oof, I would almost feel better seeing it, knowing that it was there than not seeing it and then still feeling it and still hearing Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what it is. I, I would feel better just seeing, I, even if it was like a little midget monster out there scratching the thigh of my van. I won't see it. Don't just not show yourself to me, you know, and, and just have me in panic and fear. And uh, I, I don't do the rest stop thing, though, bro. I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do it. I don't do it. And I'm telling you, dude, I've driven, like, from New Orleans to Dallas, and um, and I was, it'll be, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm dog-tired. Guess what? We're going to roll down these windows. We're going to turn on some rap music. We're going to light a cigar. And I'm just gonna let the ashes burn me over and over again until <laughs> I keep me woke before I stop on the side of the road. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I'm serious, bro. I literally have the, the wind blowing and the embers are just steady burn my arm. <laughs> oh, I'm woke. I'm fine. I'm up. I'm not stopping. Not yeah. gonna happen. That at that time it was I was I had gone like all the way through from South Carolina up until that point up to Mississippi without stopping. I mean, I stopped for. For like gas and stuff like that, but to actually sleep or anything like that, I had just gone straight through. I didn't want to stop, but at this point, it was like two, three in the morning. I was dog tired. I was like, man, I gotta sleep for maybe an hour or two, just anything, because I I just couldn't do it anymore. So I stopped, and then I finally got back on the road. Hit a gas station like an hour later, filled up on those freaking four-hour energy drinks. And I this is at the time when I was actually doing dip, like I, you know, so I would I'd put in like a, like a bunch of dip in my mouth. And like smoking cigarettes and with the windows down, the radio full blast, just trying to stay awake all the way through. And I made it from there all the way through to Dallas. But 
was, it was rough that time I had to do it there was no way that I was going to make it after that yeah I mean so I guess the only thing I have left for you here is like we're talking about Dogman, Bigfoot, Alligator Man, all that stuff. If you ever had any kind of story where one kind of crossed over with the other, met with each other, fought over areas or stuff like that? Yeah, I had that, that one story um, where there was a Bigfoot and a Dogman fighting and a fisherman saw it um, and saw a Bigfoot whip the hell out of a Dogman. He said it was like Jurassic Park, like right in front of him. Um <laughs> That that was crazy. I think that happened in Mississippi too. Like a lot of stupid stuff happens in Mississippi, man. Yeah, a lot of crazy stupid stuff. And he's out there at night fishing, casting lines in the water. And I can't remember if it was him by himself. I think it was him and somebody else. Because this is like years and years ago. I told the story, but he starts to hear this these sounds in in the woods coming from shore. And the way he described it was, he was like, "Man, it sounded like Godzilla was running through the woods." And something, another Godzilla was running towards him in the woods. And next thing you know, he hears this, this like, Bigfoot roaring sound. Because you see, I heard Bigfoot roar before he hears this roar. Right. And then trees are shaking, stuff is bobbling around. Next thing you know, both of them come out of the trees. They literally come out of the tree line onto the shore. And um, this dog man is biting the Bigfoot on the shoulder by the neck. And then next thing you know, that Bigfoot slams that freaking dog man into the water and is holding it down and snaps his neck and then literally walks back into the woods. And the funny thing is, I was like, bro, how could you sit there and watch all that foolishness happen? I would have turned the engine on and left. He's <laughs> like, bro, I was so in shock. You know, it, it was just insane. I was so in shock. It was crazy. So um, that's a very, very old, old story. Um, but that's the only one I have. Man, I mean, that's, that's definitely interesting. It's, I mean, obviously, I'm sure out there, nobody's actually seen it before, but they cross paths every once in a while and things get real out there, I'm sure. But it'd be, it'd be awesome to see or even hear of any other kind of stories that anybody has out there, you know, if, where they've actually experienced that as well. Um, you know, anything, whether it be a, a Bigfoot against a dogman or a dogman against alligator, you know, anything back and forth. But Mr. Dark Waters, I appreciate your time, sir. Um, this is a great show. Um, I'll continue to be keeping up with all your videos that you put out. Um, like I said, I'm on the website as well. I'm on your YouTube channel. Um, I follow everything you do. You know, all the videos you put out, I'm right there. Um, once again, just letting everybody know where they can find you again. Um, I'm at imdarkwaters.com. I think I still owe you like 10 more minutes, bro, unless you got to go. Oh, yeah. I got time. No, we're uh, good. I owe you time. I'll give you time, baby. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess we can keep on with the with the Bigfoot stories. Um, you know, anything else that you have of Bigfoot? I mean, I know. The- um, Bigfoot is one that I, I get. Honestly, man, you get way more Bigfoot encounters than you do with Dog Man or anything else. Um, sure. I think when you start talking about Bigfoot, you really got to kind of get into the actual personalities of Bigfoot, right? So there have been people who had Bigfoot encounters where, like, Bigfoot would leave them berries and um, all kinds of stuff, little gifts, and sometimes, like, dead raccoons, which I guess that's their idea of a good gift or something, something like that. But <laughs> um, And then there's other stories where people really encounter Bigfoots, like the one where his father encountered a Bigfoot. So imagine you and your wife are in your backyard, right? Y'all don't have a fence and you got like a tree line, but you never had any problems. It's your property. 
got, you know, it's your backyard. It's clear, but there's clearly a tree line. And so his daughter is um, a way close to the tree line playing around. And um, they end up noticing that there's a Bigfoot, like, right in the tree line by the daughter. Like, literally right there. And this thing is, like, looking at his daughter and, like, gawking at her and stalking at her. And there were some other things that it did that I'm not going to talk about that just shouldn't be said on the show. But um, they end up getting the daughter away from it. And he goes to hunt the freaking thing down. Like, he literally goes to hunt the freaking thing down and finds it and shoots it and kills it. Um, but what he realizes that, and in in, when I talked to him, I, I said, bro, you should have known that there was one. There was way more than one. Yeah. But he kills one of them, and then there's two more that end up coming up behind him. Um, he was able to get back to his car and get away, but um, there have been a lot of people who've had violent, extremely violent Bigfoot encounters. Um, and I think that kind of goes back to just the personality of the creature. Some of them are completely friendly and, and harmless, you know, but then other ones are like crazy, like deranged, uh, just just stupid deranged. Uh, another quick story in Picayune, Mississippi. Mississippi. Um, there was a Bigfoot encounter where, uh, well, outside of Picayune, Mississippi, there was a Bigfoot encounter where it was a female Bigfoot, and the Bigfoot was kind of like giving having a temper tantrum, like in the woods, like pacing back and forth in the woods, wailing his arms around, kind of like talking gibberish. You know, like imagine like a, a mad child, like a kid acts when they're mad, like they're giving a temper tantrum, mm-hmm. like that like just pacing back and forth, like outside these people's property where they could see it. Like literally you can see it just pacing back and forth, jibber jabbing, swinging his arms around, like having a, a conniption fit, right? In the open. Um, and the, the, way they, the way they got rid of that one was they just took out a gun and shot up in the air and then it looked over in their direction and left. Hmm. So there's been so many Bigfoot encounters that people have had. I really like that topic a little bit more than Dogman because, you know, the Dogman encounters are, gets to the point where it's kind of watered down and it's a bunch of lies and just people making up stuff. Um, but there's so many good documented Bigfoot encounters that it, that is insane, man. It really, really is. Um, and some of the people that really experience Bigfoot are the members of our military, especially like our special operations groups and people who get dropped off in the middle of nowhere. Like they literally get dropped out of a plane and they parachute into the middle of nowhere. They run into all kinds of crazy stuff from giant freaking anacondas to Bigfoots to, um, um, so those guys encounter all kinds of, I got so many stories, dude. It's insane. But then on the the other side, like, you know, you get some crazy stories out there. Um, like my wife, I can, I can send you her story as well. Um, she had uh, an encounter with some kind of demon woman or girl that was like in her hotel room while she was asleep and she was having these crazy dreams about it. And then she wakes up and it's like actually right in front of her face. So it's, it's like in her hotel room. So it's, it was crazy. Like the whole story she told, um, I can actually speak with her a little more and actually get the full story about it. But it's, you know, some crazy stuff because they believe in, like the gin out there and there's all kinds of like spiritual stuff um and then you have the freaking tree of life that's out there which is like this tree in the middle of the desert that's been alive for thousands of years and it's you know just all kinds of stories out there it's just weird that 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 female demon was it like uh was it face distorted like 
um, like, time I say distorted, I mean like fleshy, like torn flesh and rotten flesh on the face. Because I've heard, yeah. I've heard that was yeah. it. Yeah, so it was kind of like that, um, and it would it would kind of move. I don't know how you would say like twitchy and like erratically, like in between, right. like they would turn his face and it would kind of wiggle and then kind of mm-hmm. like in her face, you know, it was like in her dreams at first. Um, she had a dream with like her friend that was actually staying in the hotel room with her was actually being possessed by it in, in like in the bed. Um, and when she woke up, she like saw the creature or, or whatever it was in the room, like right in front of her face. And she was trying to wake up her friend, but she couldn't hear her and all, just all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> it was some crazy story that I'd have to get with her about. You know, she has no problems with me telling it, but I just have to get like the full detail of what had happened and how it started. But yeah. No, I've heard about something similar to that. And it's, that's exactly how it's described. It's a female. It's kind of got, it's kind of got like old, dilapidated, messed up skin. It typically hides in a corner of a room and then it comes out of the corner of the room and the motion is just that motion, kind of like that quick, jerky, kind of like if you were, if it was a mummy and a mummy is trying to move its body, but its body has been like stuck in position for a long time and it's like like struggling to move, yep. but it's quick and it moves super duper fast yep. and these quick jerky motions, yeah, those, those are some of the ones that, uh, that's some bad stuff, bro. No, That's some, yeah. Like when I was uptown on Robert Street in New Orleans, I remember a chick told me a story about that, and like a whole bunch of bad stuff started happening while she was telling me that story. Like car alarms start going off up and down the street. Like imagine I'm sitting on the porch, um, smoking my cigar, talking with her, and she starts talking about this, and like not like one car alarm, like four car alarms go off up and down the street, like. To the left of me and the right of me, like, burr, 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 burr. I'm like, whoa. And she's like, what's that? I'm like, those are car alarms. And it's not like, you know, one person hit their keys by mistake. It's mm-hmm. different locations down the street. And I'm like, I don't know. We should keep talking about this because if that's <laughs> the kind of power this guy, I don't think I want to talk about it. <laughs> it's definitely some crazy stuff was going on back then. It's, it's really. My my wife had that kind of you know stories like that since she was little, and but like when we kind of met, it was kind of on the tail end, and it hasn't really happened at all really now. But it's a good thing because uh, that stuff kind of happens, starts happening now. I'm out. <laughs> right, you're like, oh, babe, I gotta leave you alone. <laughs> Sorry, you gotta go back where you came from. <laughs> like, girl, we going to church. I'm about to make you drink some of this holy water. That's what we about to do, girl. Get baptized in or something. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna <laughs> dump you in the water. You know, I'm gonna hold you under that myself. Yeah. And we're gonna get you together because this don't work for me. Yeah, definitely not. I ain't gonna have that in my house. But you can find uh, Mr. Dark Waters on Twitter as well at, at darkh2o1. Uh, you can follow us here as well on the Truth Defender Podcast on Twitter at Defender Podcast, as well as Instagram at Truth Defender Podcast. Uh, once again, everybody, thank you for stopping by for another episode of the Truth Defender Podcast coming to you from Dallas, Texas. I am your humble host, Paul Aguilar, and we'll see you again on the next one. <laughs>